Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by Matt Smith and the hockey writers Blaine Putvin and Treg Toxic Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered hockey discussion, entertainment, and sometimes bad life advice. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to yet another episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Oh, hello. Hey, how's it going? And our other host, the the face in the A-team, Matt Smith. Good evening. So, Would I be the Murdoch of the A-team? Murdoch? Is Murdoch face? No, Face is the Murdoch's the crazy guy. Oh, that's that definitely flies you. Flies the helicopters. Okay, you're crazy. And you'd be B A. Be no. A bad hair. I want to see you with a bunch of gold chains on. Oh, sweet! Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. I pay the fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you, you could say Trey's kind of a mix of Murdoch and B A. That's true. Especially since it's been hit in the gym. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess. I'll put. Uh, all right. I'll wear gold chains from now on. Done. Done. Oh my god, that'd be friggin' amazing. <laughs> I don't even think I have that many gold chains. Like, just go to I don't a pawn shop. My wife... up. Yeah, I'll do that. All right. So I'm just curious. <laughs> 
So this week, uh, as we record, it is Thursday, the 6th of August. The Canadians are currently holding a 2-1 lead in their play-in series versus the Penguins. And who the hell thought that they would actually be here right now holding a lead? Anyone? None of us. Bueller. Yeah. Bueller. We actually had them going out in five games or four. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think a single pundit had picked the Canadians to win the series. And yet here they no are. No one on Sportsnet did. No, definitely not on Sportsnet. That'd be sacrilege. No one in Toronto can say the Habs can win a game. Well, you can <laughs> definitely say that the Canadians silenced a lot of naysayers. And uh, they've proven that they're a, you know, a team worth being excited for moving moving forward, especially with how the youth have really uh, stepped up in the series. So we're definitely going to be touching on that later on in the show, but uh, like uh, right now, it's the Canadians are one win away from actually winning the series and moving on. Um, we don't know who they'll play yet. Uh, as it stands, the game. Uh, if the Canadians do win the series, the winner of the Philadelphia or Tampa Bay game on Saturday, the 8th of August, will decide who will play the Canadians. If the Canadians win. We've got to be clear, there's still two games in the series left to play. The Canadians may lose both. So let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I know fans are excited. Some may not be. But some are. And we can't get ahead of ourselves on this one. So I'm going to put it to Treg, you first. Uh, the series in general so far, what is your your take on it? Uh, I think it's been a good series. I think the first two games, I think Montreal got lucky to win the first game. Uh, Carey Price held them in it. Uh, they, got some, they got some good goals in that, but I think Pittsburgh controlled the flow and pretty much controlled the game. That kind of flowed over into the second game where Pittsburgh pretty much controlled almost the entire game. Uh, uh, the third game, uh, the game three though, when Montreal won, uh, when they went down three, one, it looked like Pittsburgh had it all, but then they just kind of turn turn it around. And I think Montreal, Montreal at that point controlled the flow of the rest of that game. And when I say control the flow, I mean, they were the ones dictating the play. They were the ones that were in charge of, of the play. Um, so I think the Habs need to continue that in the fourth. If they play like they did the second half of the third game, uh, I don't see them losing. Uh, I, I like the Julian's line changes halfway through. I hope he sticks with them. But uh, yeah, I think it's all about controlling the, controlling the flow of the game. And for the first two and a half games, Montreal didn't do that. And they got lucky to get the first win. But uh, I, I wouldn't put luck in the third win or the second win. I think they actually came out and outplayed Pittsburgh for the second half and earned the win. Matt, what about you? I'd agree with the uh, with his statement on the first and second game. I'd love to see the Canadians be able to uh, keep the pressure on the Penguins like what they did when they were down 3-1. Um, it's nice to see them playing some meaningful hockey. And as I said in the uh, in the intro, just to prove some naysayers wrong. A lot of people, just like us, didn't have these guys having a chance at winning this series, let alone being a game within, or a game uh, within uh, winning the series now. 
And I find that um, just imagine what the team could look like if they still had Kovalchuk and Thompson and Cousins and Scandella and those kind of players. We might we might even have a more close series than what uh, than what we're seeing right now. Uh, well, I think the defense has been excellent. The pairing of Petrie and Kulak, I think, has been the best defensive pair out there. Now, mind you, they're they're they were a minus two yesterday when it comes to uh, analytics or whatever. But uh, I think they they've been up against Crosby the entire time, and I think they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, Weber and Sherrod are playing well. Uh, so really, I think the Scandella thing is a no factor. But I do agree with the Kovalchuk and uh, uh, Thompson thing. It's just you know, that third line, anyway, and the third pairing for Montreal for the defense has been terrible. But I, personally, I think Mete's been terrible in this series. Twitter tends to disagree and say, let I threw a let stats out there, but no one believes me. But whatever, you can you can think what you want. And I know, Blaine, you're going to call me a hater, but I, I think Mete's been terrible. I think, I mean, either one could go, but I think Mete should go out for Fleury or Juleson. You're such a personally. hater. So what are your thoughts on the series? Well, I mean, you guys pretty much covered what I'm thinking. Um, Price is clearly standing on his head, and he is intimidating the, the Pittsburgh shooters for the most part. I mean, um, Price is the top performer goaltending-wise in the entire play-ins. He, uh, he's facing 30-plus shots a game. Um, he He's... He's playing in a very calm manner. You know, when Price is in his zone, you can just tell. And he's in his zone right now where he's calm, he's focused. Uh, he's not making movements uh, as reactionary. He's reading the play. He's moving into position. So his athleticism is, is, on, is on display, but he's not scrambling in his net. His athleticism is his strong pushes from side to side, coming out to challenge the shooters, uh, his movements up and down in the in the net based on where the shot is, how he looks around his screens to to track the puck. Um, you you can't you can't say the price is not. Uh, he's done everything a goaltender can to keep a team in it, and I mean you look how close the series is. I think they're tied in goals overall in this series, so. Who would have thought, and I, I tweeted this out, who would have thought that the Canadian centers are outscoring the Penguin centers? No one. I didn't think it. Did you guys? Well, Malkin doesn't even have a point. Well, he does now, but Malkin does, never had a point to the third game. Didn't have, doesn't have a goal. Assist. Not a single yeah, goal. Yeah. Yeah. But you know who does have two goals? Yes, Barry, Cocky, and Emmy. And who what a bust. said... He would be a game changer for the Habs in this series. Yeah, you and I. Who wrote an article about it? I did. Uh, Matt. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds of that, eh? I'm telling you, I got the, I got this, I got the sixth vision, or the sixth sense, or whatever. You, I see dead people. <laughs> God. Uh, what an old. Know reference yeah which if you can which get that fitting. you'll win a prize well i mean it's fitting you are a grandfather so but it's true it's true um no but it, see you bring up a point um 
So who has impressed you in this series? Uh, Matt, who's the one player in the series that impressed you? Uh, for me, it's Ben Sherratt. If I had to only pick one, um, a lot of people, a lot of people thought that um, the Canadians' defense was just going to get pounded by the uh, by the Penguins, and um, I'll give an honorable mention to uh, to Kulak as well. the uh, The top four for the Canadians has really been solid. Uh, we saw a couple, you know, bobbles for Willette, but. Um, He's actually been able to be out there, kill penalties. He's been physical at times. He's blocked shots, etc. And the only one that really hasn't stood out is Mete, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, for me, Sherratt, um, he threw some big hits. He's getting pucks on net. He's averaging over 25 minutes a game. Um, you know, he's kind of like um, just the kind of the guy that's doing everything right. He doesn't need to be flashy. He doesn't need to be the guy scoring the game-winning goals like Petrie. He's just doing everything right, and he's playing meaningful hockey. He's killing penalties, and it's what the Canadians need right now. Other than uh, other than game three and the penalty kill kind of looking like shit, you look at extended five-on-threes that they've had during the series, and you know, you've seen Weber out there, you've seen Sherrod out there, you've seen Suzuki, etc., killing these penalties. And uh, those... You know, those are the guys you need to step up, and uh, it's it's the playoffs. You know, guys need to step up. What about you, uh, Treg? Who's impressed you? Uh, do I have to just pick one? Yeah, the one person who's impressed you the most. I'll have to say Kotkaniemi. Um, he went from going to the AHL to recovering from the spleen injury to maybe not even making the you know, the playing roster, even though he, they were, they lack center depth to becoming probably their second best center behind Suzuki. Um, so much the fact that when Julian changed the lines, he actually became the number two center and Dano was put down on the third line, even though he rolls his top three lines out pretty evenly. Um, and for the guy, he's leading the team. I did a tweet about it, but he's leading the team in shots on goal goals, uh, he's second in hits. He's pretty much doing everything he can to, uh, you know, to help the team, you know, advance. Like, this team wants to win. Like, I don't care. Uh, yeah, first in goals, second in points, first in Corsi, first in plus minus, second in shooting percentage. And he only averages about 13 minutes of, of ice time. And if you look at the, I believe it was the third goal that tied the game, uh, there could have been an argument that he could have got the second assist on that. And it was all him that kept the, uh, the puck in the play. So it's not just the points and the stuff he's doing, but it's the little things in his game that he's doing. He's beating players to the puck. He's winning, uh, cor- uh, battles in the corner. He's keeping the play alive in the offensive zone and, uh, creating scoring chances. And that's all you can ask for from, uh, from your center. Uh, but that whole, uh, I, the, the first, the second and third lines on that team, I've just been uh, blowing the first line away. Uh, I mean, we'll get into this later uh, on in the conversation. But to me, it's Kati Yenemi. But uh, I'll give props to Kulak as well, like you did, Matt. I think Kulak's having a, a tremendous series. I mean, yeah, all great picks. Um, I I love what Kati Yenemi has been doing in the series. And we'll get, we'll get towards him again in a little bit later in the show. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Deno. So 
Deno is averaging almost 21 minutes a game. He's do, he's playing all the hard minutes. He's he's shutting down Crosby. He's doing all the penalty killing on the first wave. Just his whole job is to shut down the offense on the Penguins, and it's working. He is he's eating up those hard hard minutes, and it's opening up ice time that uh, that Kotniemi can can ease into and play against some lesser lines. Even though Kotniemi has lined up against Malkin and has looked extremely good doing so, but uh, so it, it taking Crosby out of the equation makes it a little easier on Suzuki and for Kotniemi. So Deno's play has impressed me in that he's able to play those heavy, heavy minutes. And if you watch the game, unless you're looking for him, you really don't notice. Like it's it's subtle. So. When you're playing defensive hockey and no one notices you, you're doing your job. He got power play time too, and that second power play unit yeah. actually improved with him on it. Yeah, because he's able to. They, they didn't score, but no. they improved. They had yeah. zone time. Yes, which and I found that in the third game, the power play didn't score, but it looked a hell of a lot better than the first two games because they actually got set up in the created plays. I think they hit the post a couple times as well. They came close, yeah. So uh, moving on from that, from who is impressed to who is disappointed, and I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give Treg the first goal on this one. Uh, Thomas Tatar, you bastard! That was mine. <laughs> uh, I find he has he has a stiff stick. His passes aren't going where they're going. He's not receiving the pass as well. Uh, I don't remember him at any time in the three games being involved in an almost goal or a good offensive play. Uh, I I think that first line, even with the nose play, has been very stagnant the entire first line. Now Gallagher's a bit injured, uh, but Gallagher's still doing Gallagher things. Uh, to me, it's Tatar. Like, uh, I don't know how many times they had a good rush that was broken up by either Tatar or having the pass bounce off his stick or making a pass to nobody. Well, I mean, uh, you can't really blame him too, too much. I mean, this, for skilled guys, playing on ice that's been, like, by the time they're on the ice, uh, the ice is beat up pretty good. I mean, there's three, four games a day, so the uh, the quality of the ice is There's 30-some-odd other people on that ice, too, no, that no. are heavily issues. And passes. to finish my point, you can't really yeah. shit on him too much for you know, uh, the pass has kind of tipped off a stick or whatever. What you can crap on him is those blind, no-look back passes to the point when nobody's there, giving up odd man rushes. And when he does give up the odd man rush, he kind of went to uh, controllers broken and kind of coasted there. And he, a few times, he left his, man, his uh, the, uh, the F2 coming in the zone. His job is to pick up that F2 coming in when he's coming back to, to cover on D. And he didn't pick his man up. So it created an odd man, uh, a secondary odd man rush and generated some scoring chances that should never have happened. It just seems like he's not as focused as he was at the start of the, uh, the, the season before COVID. And I don't know what this says about his future with the Canadians because he's got one year left. If, if anyone is going to be moved out right now, you're not going to keep a guy that's that's giving up 
you know, all kinds of chances during the playoffs. You don't want to keep a guy like that if your your goal next year is to be a playoff team. Well, I mean, I agree with all that. Uh, it just doesn't seem like Tatar's engaged, I guess, is the question. Like, everyone's saying Drouin's not engaged, but I think Drouin hasn't played bad at all this series. I think he's played like Drouin, and he just hasn't gotten the opportunities that he normally would get. I don't think he's been playing bad, though. Um, and Mete would be another one that's disappointing because I think he's playing his way off the team. But anyway, that's just me. Can't argue with that one. Um, Matt, what about you? So for mine, it would be Mete. Uh, he's been used very sparingly throughout the series. He hasn't thrown a hit. He hasn't got a shot on goal. He's averaging just over 11 minutes a game. And most of those uh, minutes to, to prop that number up were in game one that went to overtime. Um, he's not trusted to kill penalties, and he's not playing playoff hockey. And as Treg alluded to, his days as a Canadian could definitely be numbered. With uh, Juleson coming back and being healthy, the emergence of uh, somebody like Kale Fleury, who made the team out of um, training camp, and then obviously with uh, with Romanov. And that isn't even... You're not even looking at free agency. You're not looking at trades, etc., um, excuse me, uh, Victor Mete is an RFA and they might take a good long look at uh, if they want to keep this guy around if he uh, if he can't uh, turn his game around when it matters the most. Yeah, I mean, they also could leave him open and uh, work something with Seattle too. They sign him and then maybe work something with Seattle so they take Mete and not pick anybody else. But uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I don't option. Yeah, like I don't know. Like uh, I'm, you all know, I'm not a huge Met Day fan to begin with. But I mean, there was an argument against my argument, and now I don't see that. Like to me, I I find fully vindicated to say Mete's. You know, I, I think I said on someone to Twitter today they were going on about Mete, and I said Mete's at best a six seven defenseman on Montreal, and probably not even in the NHL with any other team, especially with the way he's playing right now. So, see, I was hard on Willette in the first game. He made some mistakes, but as the game went on and now into game two, game three, I, I feel that he's played a lot better. There's still not a line that I'd want to be out there against Malkin or Crosby, but the fact that Wallet plays the body, gets into the lanes, and he can kill penalties, he's gonna he's got the leg up for sure. And well, what it's what it's doing the fact that Mete can't play these meaningful minutes and he, he can't be trusted on the, on the penalty kill and he can't be trusted against these top lines. It's putting more minutes on Petrie, on Sherrod, on Weber. And I know these guys don't mind it, but you know, you play the, the kind of um, game that those guys play, you know, you want them to be out there when it matters the most and you want them to be able to, to score the goal or to make the play or to prevent it. And, you know, every every extra shift that they need to take because Mete can't, it adds up in a, in a, in a, in a series. Now, to well, be like the, said, the devil's uh, advocate to this whole uh, Treg lynch mob of Mete because he's such a hater, <laughs> um, uh, Jason Paul, our friend uh, over at Wave Intel. Um, hey, Jason. Miss you, buddy. Well, uh, come on back sometime. We'll have you back on the show. But uh, he has made some, uh, he's put some graphics together on Mete's impact in a game. And the advanced stats for, for Mete are, they look great. Uh, 
for me, it's those those stats are coming against the bottom six for uh, for Pittsburgh. And as good as he looks advanced stats wise, when you actually have when you watch the game, that's when I see what you two have been mentioning the whole time. Those little tiny errors, they all add up. So the he gave up. Uh, there was a goal in uh, in game three. The puck, you know, a little bit of a bounce at the blue line went over his stick, and he looked a little lackadaisical skating back to get it. He got beat by uh, by a faster player to the puck. So I think Tanev was the one that shoved him off, and was able to get to the net, get a shot off, and then Mete finally showed up. And instead of picking up the trailer uh, on that odd man rush or trying to block uh, block a pass or whatever, that that player buried the rebound. So I think it was uh, Blundell. I don't know. He's on their fourth line. So it just a Bluger. Bluger, yes, Bluger. My my mis- uh, my bad. Um, scoring his first playoff goal. So it, it's just a comedy of tiny little errors these little things that all add up and, and led to a goal against but it's it's not just a one-time thing it's not a one-off it's it's multiple times and and this is where we're going to segue into the canadians future um you look at the future on defense and then you see romanov waiting in the wings a left-hand defenseman well who's going to win that uh that one-off mete or romanov who's going to get into the lineup it's not going to be Mete. Well, I'd have Romanov in right now if you could. Exactly, exactly. And then you you, you look further down the line. You have Fleury, Juleson. Uh, I mean, Norlander. Yeah, Harris is going to be coming soon. Struble. Uh, exactly. So it doesn't look like you know on the depth chart. Yeah, he's on the NHL team now, but for how much longer? Well, I'm going to throw, actually, I'm going to defend Mete a little bit right here. He is coming off a major foot injury. So, and this is the first he's played since that injury. So I, I will throw that out there. And and that's true. That is true. The guys are coming off injuries. Uh, there's rust that, has to, that comes into play. But when you're looking at the, uh, the future, and that's what we're doing in this segment of the show yeah. we're looking forward oh Mete's gone yeah, that and that's the thing like eh. I'm not saying that Mete is not uh, a capable NHL defenseman but it may become time to use him as trade bait to try and package him up to get something else I mean the Canadians have a ton I, I, of picks they could trade him yeah. they have the cap space they can maybe move him off for and some other items to fill another need and there is the abundance of draft picks that they have in the next few drafts because they have, what, 14 this year? Yeah. And I believe they have 11 next year. Yeah. So you look at the Seattle expansion draft for next year, you package, you know, a, a third round pick or third and a fourth or something like that with Mete, maybe you get an opportunity to keep the player that you want on your team and kind of make a friend with, uh, with Seattle. You could do that, or you could trade him in a slightly higher pick, like a second, perhaps, to, yeah, to a different team. That's... De- depending depending on who you need, depending on yeah. who you need to protect, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's, I mean, teams. So many teams are hard up against the cap. He's uh, he's 
he's able to be plugged into a third pairing on a team cheaply. So you can use him as trade bait for someone that can't afford a slightly better player because they can't afford them. Little things, just little things. I guess it all depends on how the RFA goes and whether Montreal signs him or not. I, I don't see them letting him go. I don't no. see them saying, no, we're not signing you. He's getting but, qualified. I mean, I mean, if they sign him, I mean, you know, his agent's going to say, well, he did play first line with Weber. You know what I mean? Like, it all depends on what he, he signs the RFA for. Absolutely. I can see we'll, if they we'll if determine they, if where they, he goes and how much he's worth, really. If they sign him, I can see a two-year deal. Possibly. At around one and a half million. I don't even see. I could see like a two-year deal, like a mil, mil, mil and a quarter yeah. per. But moving on to the uh, to future, we're talk uh, that we talked about Romanov, which we've spoken about at length on separate shows, Fleury Juleson. But I I want to point towards the, the center, the future at center, which is something that Canadians fans have never been able to really look at for the last thirty years and say, hey. We're not bad. I think we saw the future in game three. This series is showing us what the future is. Yeah. We're Suzuki first, Cottenhamie second, and Deneau third. Yeah. Yeah. And that was was the second half of game three. And that checking line of Deneau, Lekkanen, and Byron was just amazing against Sidney Crosby. Completely shut down. That second half of the game. Yeah. Completely, sh- and 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 it's kind of reminded me of the Guy Carbonneau of '93 with uh, against Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Carbonneau was their third line center, and every time Gretzky was out there, so was Carbonneau. So because you've got Deno and, and uh, Suzuki averaging between 20 21 minutes a game so far yeah. in the series. What what I find a little bit odd is Kotniemi is around 13 to 14, which personally I think he deserves a lot more ice time, but. We have to keep in mind that uh, Dano and Suzuki both play on the penalty kill and Kotniemi doesn't, and there's been a shitload of penalties. Jeez, yeah. uh, Montreal's, what, 14, 15 penalties, I think, in the three games? Yeah, you think Chris Lee's been doing all of them? I mean, you'd think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know Matt loves Chris Lee. He is my favorite. He is my favorite referee in this league. Well, Pittsburgh's like eleven and two when Chris Lee, or sixteen and two when Chris Lee refs them, and Montreal's yeah. like something like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Montreal's like three and twelve or something when he refs a Montreal <laughs> game. Well, if if there is a, a conspiracy for Montreal to get the first overall and to let Pittsburgh move on, we're going to see Chris Lee in the in games four and five. <laughs> as soon as I find out who's refing that game, it's going to be all over Twitter. Don't worry. <laughs> I love on Twitter now how they're putting the records of each team with depending on what referees, uh, like the record of this team when this referee is on him and this referee is on. Yeah, him. yeah like, so sh- kind of interesting. So shout out to scouting the refs. Exactly, I was yeah. about to say that they've been doing that for what about three years now? And they do yeah. a very good job at it. Yep. All right, and now uh, another point that I wanted to bring up that we mentioned a few times already, and that's Carey Price. Uh, oh yeah isn't it amazing how well Carey Price plays when he's rested who the, the the guy that wears a mask and stands in the net oh he's he's old and washed up totally 
trade him now for a bag of pucks. Well, going into this series, you've had a lot of um, a lot of analysts that said, you know, is Carey Price going to be the X factor for the Canadians? And uh, a lot of these articles that came out from, you know, a lot of uh, trusted analysts and writers and a couple friends of the show, et cetera, they, um, you know, they were they were laughed at, saying, you know, Carey Price is Carey Price, like he's washed up, he's uh, he's not what he used to be, et cetera. But as you mentioned, give him some rest and put him in a game where it really matters. And um, he's really shown that he's a number one guy. He's still the best goalie in the world. Absolutely. He's got a 937 save percentage and a 2.19 goals against average playing against one of the better offensive teams in the league. And he's shutting them down. And it's not just because of the guys that are playing in front of him. Carey Price is making some big saves when it matters most. And he's the reason that uh, the Canadians have a 2-1 series lead right now. Yeah, his save percentage yeah. on high percentage chances uh, are, is hovering around 900, which is extremely high for that stat. It's usually hovering around the 750 to 850 range, and he's closer to 900. So to have that kind of, uh, that kind of save percentage in tight in those high percentage zones and putting up the numbers that he's putting up, he is doing his job. And and here's the issue, because if you look at the last playoffs against the New York Rangers, Carey Price had a 935 save percentage and a 191 goals against average or something like that. And Montreal lost the series in six games. And everyone, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people that did our about how he you know, he just uh, can't do it in the playoffs. I think that's total bullshit. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I think Carey Price is the only reason the Habs are, can go anywhere in the playoffs. I think he had, since 2010, since Halleck left the team, he's only had one playoff series where he had a below 900 save percentage. Uh, and they were out in six or whatever. Other than that, it's been 910 or higher. And, you know, 935 was last playoffs so far in this one. I think you said, what, 937 or something like that, or 933? Yeah, 937. Uh, he's had a 926. He's had a 919 and a 910. And I'm sorry, but if your team can't score, you know, your goalie's going to have to get a shutout every night. So why and, can't Kerry first... score? Like... I... Pecorini I mean, scored because he's not allowed year. to go past the blue line. Pecorini scored. Why can't Why can't Carey Price? Because he can't go past the red line and play on the power play. It's not lacrosse. It's not lacrosse where the goalie can go wherever he wants. So, I'm I'm just I just think I just I, I'm just getting tired and it, it irks me when people say Price can't do it in the playoffs because Montreal can't go. Price is doing everything he can in the playoffs. It's the fact that the team can't score is why they're not going anywhere and that's the problem this series is proving why it's important to have a decent backup if you want to have a team that makes the playoffs you want a backup that can win you you know 15 out of uh, get points in 15 out of 30 games in a season and and keep your keep your team in it so you have a chance to win so that exactly when the playoffs start carrie price isn't exhausted i mean they, uh, the season that the, they just missed the playoffs, I mean, he played 65 games. They rode him hard for the last 25 straight games, 26 straight games. They were doing it again this year. So even if they had any hope whatsoever making the playoffs, let's imagine 
in those last 13 games. The Canadians somehow pulled it out, and they made the playoffs. Well, Kerry would have played the last 25, 30 games in a row, which included back-to-backs, all the travel. How how rested would he have been? How much energy would he have had left for the playoffs? That's where this the importance of that quality backup comes into play. Well, this there's a, a ton of UFA goaltenders available this uh, this offseason. Now, Halleck signed with uh, Boston, so he's not available. He would have been a great backup. Kabodin's available. Markstrom, who's probably going to stay in Vancouver. Uh, Thomas Grice. Uh, Leonard. Leonard. Anderson. Um, you know, there's a lot of starting goaltenders that are getting to the point where like Anderson, I think Anderson would be a great backup for Carey Price uh, from Ottawa there. I mean, I don't know what he'd sign for. I don't want to pay too much. I don't want to have $15, $20 million or, you know, $15 million in my goaltending. But, uh, I mean, maybe that's the price you pay to get into the playoffs and have Carey rested for a long playoff run. I don't know. Well, if you sign Anderson, but, he can only play at the Bell Center because somehow he he plays out of his mind in that building. <laughs> Until he's a Montreal Canadian, yeah, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> garbage. Yeah. But no, there's. I'm gonna throw the. I'm gonna throw this name out there just to get people talking. I think Hendrik Lundqvist played his last game in New York, and they're gonna want to move his contract. So maybe Montreal can exploit the shit out of them, get a prospect, some picks, whatever, and eat that contract and have him in there for a year, for the last year of his deal. And then he retires. I think. I think he retires. Be honest with you, I can't see him in the play but for anyone I, but New York. I, I like what you're thinking, and you brought this up before on a show, Matt. I have Lundgren, and uh, I would love that. I personally am. I, I have to agree with Blaine on that, though. I don't think uh, you'll see him playing with anyone but New York. I think he'll retire. But you never. We know. also we also said that about Bruder. True. Yeah. This is true. And he played for the Blues. This is true. And look at Ray Bork. He went. For, everyone thought he did his career in Boston, and he went in but Colorado and won a cup. I'm not going to say I want it to happen. I'm I'm really jumping on the uh, the Anton Hudobin or uh, Thomas Grace uh, bandwagon right now. However, if they can get a a decent package and give up oh. very very little, like kind of what they did when they got Armia. It, it might be worth taking a look at. And oh, it's, I, he's he's I definitely a, he's definitely a goalie that can come in, give you 25, 30 games, and um, take that load off of Carey Price. Because we've seen uh, when he's rested, he's a very good goalie. I'm uh, I'm well, on the Jake I, Allen bandwagon. I think the Canadians should uh, take advantage of the Blues and their cap situation. Maybe uh, snap Jake Allen out of there and score themselves a high end uh, prospect while they're at it. I'd be good with I could I'd be good with Allen too. He's from New Brunswick. Yeah. I think they should zide Brandon Holpe the ten million dollars <laughs> and go with a twenty million dollar goaltending duo. <laughs> That's just what Montreal needs is some kind of goaltending controversy. There's no controversy. They're both at ten million, they both play forty one games. Yeah. End of story. And and then the people that have been screaming, spend to the cap, spend to the cap, will complain that they spent all the way to the cap. Wow. You can't please all the Joshua's in the world. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. 
when we get off this, I'll go ask Bobby what he thinks, and <laughs> then we'll know that, then we'll know what's going to happen. Now, uh, to move on from all this, um, I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt. You first. Uh, which series has imp- has surprised you the most? Not counting the Canadians one, we're, we were talking about the Habs. Any other series in the plans? Uh, for me, it's Carolina sweeping the Rangers. I really thought that the Rangers were going to at least win a game. Uh, Carolina was all over them. They were forechecking. They were putting up goals. And uh, their goaltending um, wasn't um, wasn't up to snuff. Yeah, Panarin didn't. And, uh, uh, he didn't play the, as well as I thought he would play. I mean, I thought Panarin would do no. a lot better, and that would make a big their difference. Big, their big guys, their big guys didn't show up. No. You know, guys like Kreider, guys like um, Mika Zizinabad. You know, those guys they they didn't really step up. Um, their defense looked pretty bad. Um, a lot of holes in their lineup. And they're the first team in the left near sweepstakes, which is a hell of a consolation prize. That's for damn sure. That's true. I'm kind of hoping he ends up in Minnesota. They they need some scoring out there. Well, they got Galchenyuk now. Oh, I stand corrected. They don't need scoring. <laughs> oh, bound. Oh, wait. They haven't scored a goal at five on five or on the power play in their entire series. So, have they scored? Yeah, shorthanded. I, I'm not watching the series. I don't. Know. Yeah, and and that's the one that surprises me. I thought I would. I expected a ton more out of Minnesota. Not that you know that they would, uh, you know, win the series or anything, but at least keep things close. And basically, they've just been manhandling Vancouver physically. But Vancouver has been the one putting points up on the board. So, a little surprised. Mine is mine is Chicago Edmonton. Uh, Chicago's up two games to one, and I thought Edmonton would at least win that series in four games. Well, Edmonton's only uh, as good as Connor McDavid. I mean, they can't win without Connor McDavid. And, and I don't know. Drysaddle's pretty good. No, uh, no, they're the, no, old, they're the only reason. The only reason that they're in this series right now is because of McDavid and Drysdale. They've got most of their goals, they got most of their points, and Chicago has made the most of their chances. And we yeah. saw that in the last game. They're putting pucks on net, just like I say all the time, just like Don Cherry says all the time, putting pucks on the net, good things are going to happen. We saw that yesterday. They scored two quick goals of under five minutes left and just absolutely stunned. Did you see the, the, t- the uh, Jonathan Tay's power play goal where uh, he – he missed. He kind of flubbed on the shot. It kind of, and then it went off his foot and trickled in. Yeah. Yeah. So get to the net. Well, the game, the game winning goal the other day actually went off uh, Ethan Bear stick and in the top corner. So absolutely, but it was just a yeah. quick shot on the net. On net. Yeah. And that's all you need to do. Like the playoffs, you score dirty goals. They all count at the end of the day. You don't need to dangle and snipe. You throw pucks on the net, it could go off a skate, can go off a head. Who gives a shit? It goes in the net, it still counts. Well, let's be honest. All of Montreal's goals, goals but three, Petrie's two and Suzuki's, have all been garbage goals. And that's how they got score. That, that goal that Petrie scored, that wasn't garbage. That was gorgeous. No, I just that's what I just said. Yeah. All but three, the two by Petrie, the one by Suzuki, all but them three have been garbage goals. Yeah, close to the net. Yeah. 
Well, Byron's like, goal was Kinemi's first goal. goal went off his elbow. Yeah. And then his second one Byron's was a rebound that he was that he was able to bury. Uh, the uh, the Byron, Byron goal was a nice wrap around. Yeah, it's just like like hard. You know, let's. I'm gonna do this and hope it happens. Like the Cotton Enemy rebound was just they, they just put the puck on net. The rebound came out and he was there. Uh, you know, uh, now Petrie's Petrie's goal, especially yesterday's goal, uh, game winner, which is the beauty of a goal. Although I thought uh, Matt Murray probably yeah. should have been in the right position to get it. But, but if you look at all the Canadian really, goals, they're all within ten feet of the net. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to believe that Petrie only has four shots in the series. <laughs> He is the first defenseman since Chris Chelios to have two gaming-winning goals in a series in the playoffs, right. which is very, very. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Chelios did that. There you go. There you go. Now, for, more, for the Oilers know. fans that are listening, Chris Pudsey, I'm making a point. I made a point by calling the Oilers a one-man team because for years he has been yelling and screaming, the Canadians can only win because of Carey Price. And then saying that Carey Price sucks. Well, which is it? Does he suck or is he so good that he's able to get them to win? Well, welcome to Carey Price land because that's what we're going to do with Connor McDavid just for you, Chris Pudsey. There's some credentialed Habs fans that think the same thing, though. Nah, whatever. I want to pick on Chris. There, And I'll defend Chris here. There are two men. They're a two-man team, Dreisaitl and McDavid. Well, you and I, we all agree on that, but that's that's not the way I'm going to go with this. <laughs> but, they, but you know what? Edmonton has no goaltending whatsoever. It's terrible. Yeah, if they fix that, that team would be scary good. They would be. I bet they'd take a Carey Price right about now. Mm, Give you a McDavid. Price for a Dreisaitl? Yeah, sure. Dreisaitl price and... for Dreisaitl and Nurse. There you go. <laughs> Puzzies, I can I, I can hear him grumbling now. Oh, he just he just threw his phone against the wall. <laughs> um, and, and before we before we sign off, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a longtime listener and one of our actually avid listeners, uh, Scott McCarthy. He is a uh, he is with the army. He serves as well. So, thank you for your service, sir. And he's also a podcaster. He has a podcast called Moving Forward Leadership, which talks about different styles of leadership. I would suggest, I would highly suggest that people check it out, have a listen to it. And I'm giving this shout out because Scott has been kind enough to help us with the show this week. He's going to do a little bit of work on it for us. And I hope that our listeners notice... Notice that uh, that bump in quality for sound and uh, content, and uh, give Scott a follow and a thank you because uh, I have and I think everyone else should, especially that uh, that podcast of his because I've listened to quite a few of his hundred and ten plus shows. It's a very good show, so uh, wanted to give a shout out to Scott and um, guys. Any any last thoughts there, Matt? What about you? Uh, for me, I said, I, and I think we hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh, to Carey Price and the need for a uh, for a backup goaltender. And um, I'm looking forward to when it comes to the youth. I'm looking forward to seeing guys like uh, Hillis, Yelonen, Harvey Pinard, and a healthy Joel Tisdale. 
uh, in Laval next year. Okay. What about you, Trey? Uh, I know a guy I used to write for. He could use that leadership podcast, so I hope he listens. Um, and uh, no, we're good. I think uh, the, the big thing here is we need a backup for Carey Price. I think now that we have the depth at center, we can start thinking about making moves with some of our younger centers, like maybe a Paling or an Evans and stuff like that, uh, to see about getting some help on the wing for scoring. We still need scoring on this team, I think, but uh, I think it's coming. I think you're going to see big things in the Habs' future. So, And for me, um, I'd like to just uh, – I wrote an article back in June about – what would happen if the Canadians actually pulled off a miracle and beat the Penguins? So right now the Canadians are sitting at two games to one, and it's very it's very possible that they can win one of the next two games. And if they did, they would pick 16th. So I would suggest, obviously, go click on my uh, my article, but uh, more importantly, go check out uh, you know, these draft sites. You know, like. Uh, any drafts, any site that you like. Uh, I know that uh, Josh Bell at uh, the Hockey Writers does an amazing job. He has a great draft list. Check out who's available at around 16. See who you like. Go do a little bit of research on those guys. I know that uh, Habs fans have been kind of, because of the way the Canadians have played this year, have been focusing in the top 10. Um, but it's very possible that's not going to happen. So start getting a, a cl- uh, accustomed to the possibility that they may pick in the middle of the round and check out some of these other players. Maybe you like one of them better than someone that you would have seen at nine. Who knows? Weirder things have happened. Yeah, I don't have anything. My truck got smashed into, so I'm going to go cry about that. I would too. If this was a country music song, uh, yeah, there'd be uh, be a big price to pay. Yeah, Florida yeah. Georgia line would be in the fucking bed of it singing about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's pop. That's not real country. <laughs> that's why I said it. <laughs> now, if Conway Twitty just showed up on your doorstep, then there's some country. I, I need an old Dwight Yoakam in there singing about how trucks all busted. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that there's self-driving cars, how much longer until there's a country music song about a car leaving an owner? <laughs> it's common. It's coming. Coming. No, actually, it's going. Whoa! Oh, snap. All right, so uh, we'll end the show there, and I want to thank all our listeners. Um, we're going we're gonna to put a couple of commercials out here. Be sure to have a listen to them. Uh, no Name Hockey, they've been with us since, uh, since we started as an independent show. They've got great stuff. Check them out. Also, check out our contest. Uh, we have a contest where... Uh, where if you follow the uh, the Habs Unfiltered Twitter site, you can win $50 of no-name gift bucks that you can spend on their amazing gear. I have a ton of it. If uh, you'd, you'd love it. T-shirts, hats, toques, gloves, uh, hockey equipment. They got great stuff. So uh, stick around, have a listen, and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. 
it happens. Every man has. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keepers is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 